things quieted down and then they started picking up again um, last September, October. And a lot of you have been in the trenches yourselves on this. Um, the, the, the distinguishing characteristics around um, the book banning and the book challenges that have been happening. Hello, friends, and welcome to season four of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians, wherever you are in your journey. It is filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as future ready librarians. I'm your host, Shannon McClintock Miller. I am the district teacher librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and serve as the future ready librarian spokesperson. I have the pleasure of working within my library and school community and also with others around the country and world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. For season four, we have added a few new segments to our podcast, including Future Ready Librarian shout outs and shares from our listeners. We will be gathering these shout outs, shares, and questions for each episode, so be on the lookout to chime in and celebrate what you're doing within your library and school too. For our Future Ready Librarian shout out today, I would like to thank Barbara Panikas, who is the library supervisor in New Jersey, for sharing. Barbara shared, my shout out goes to Rebecca Jensen. She is amazing always leading in the ways and areas of technology, books, and STEAM activities. She's never afraid to try something new and always looks for ways to help students and staff. I loved that one. I thought that was so great. And we'll include their Twitter handles in the information in today's podcast. And today I actually have a Future Ready Librarian share. I was so excited to learn about an amazing new resource called EverFi. And this is something that I learned about at FETC. And as their site states, EverFi is something really great and new to empower educators to bring real world learning into the classroom and equip students with the skills they need for success now and in the future. They have resources that include topics on SEL, digital resources, um, digital literacy and citizenship, math, financial literacy, career and college readiness, and one that we're really excited about using at our school is the early learning resources. So there's something for everyone. The great thing too is that it's free for everybody. So our kindergarten teachers, they just started using WordForce and it's a literacy adventure for our youngest learners. They're so excited and so I couldn't wait to share this with you today because as I said, it's free for everybody to use. So you can check that out. And we will make sure to include the link to that in the resources as well. So let's get to our actual conversation. I'm so excited today to welcome my friend John to the show as we talk about future proofing your position and program, how to avoid surprises and mitigate stressful situations. Hi, John. Hi, Shannon. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm trying to stay warm and toasty. <laughs> Absolutely. Congratulations on, on your fourth season. I mean, would you have thought three seasons ago the world would be as crazy as it is right now though, oh, for school librarians? I know. It's just it's just crazy. And, and to think back, like we started this too during the pandemic and all the conversations we've had. 
but now coming kind of, you know, we're, we're making our way through this pandemic and now we have so many things that we're thinking about as librarians. Mm-hmm. And that's why I invited you to the show. And so maybe start just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So every library, the Every Library Institute, um, the, the work that we do has two parts to it. Every library is a political action committee for libraries. It's an unusual kind of organization. You have a lot of nonprofits. You've got a lot of associations in the library space, but we're set up as a, well, if you, if you uh, listen to NPR, you watch Fox News, you hear about super PACs, how they can raise and expend unlimited money to advance their nefarious special interests. Congratulations, folks, you're my special interest. Um, we don't have uh, unlimited money. Um, what we do is, is we have donor support, folks like Follett, um, the individual donors around the country, your EBSCOs, your, your, your uh, uh, Gales, your, et cetera. Um, we put that money to work in a couple of different ways for political solutions to li- for libraries, uh, whether it's a public library on the ballot, uh, which we've done a number of around the country. We've had 121 election days for public libraries since we first got started, about an 85% win rate. Um, those are uh, initiatives for operational funding or buildings or the structural libraries. Um, and then for schools, we run a, a program called SaveSchoolLibrarians.org. Save School Librarians, it's not Save School Libraries, even though we're focused on the budget for the program, but it's about the humans who work there. Um, and we know very clearly, um, and we, we know very deeply, that uh, without a certified school librarian or teacher librarian in the, in, in the space, it's a reading room. And our job is to help preserve, protect, and defend, and even extend the future of work for school librarians. That's on the political side. Uh, we also do some state initiatives. Um, we also work a little bit right now around the edges with some of the really bad, really political, political, really performative book challenges that are happening out there. Um, and I, I do want to talk about that a little bit, Janet, as we go through. The, the other work that we do, though, on the Every Library Institute side is as a, is a, as a nonprofit itself. It's a public policy, tax policy, education policy think tank. Uh, we run a lot of research projects through there. Uh, we've done a couple uh, around the space of uh, planning for the post-COVID environment for, for uh, K-12, uh, for public libraries. We've done a number of things around literacy and, uh, you know, literacy and, and uh, health outcomes, literacy and economic outcomes, literacy and even reduction in crime rate, things like that. Um, and then we also do a lot of training programs for, for librarians, not to be a better school librarian or public librarian, but how to be a, maybe a better politician. That might be the way to put it. You know, we do a lot of political literacy trainings. Um, you know, the, when you get right down to it, how do you talk um, about the funding you need in order to fulfill the mission of your program? Uh, and both sides of our work, whether it's every library, it's a political committee, a political action committee, or the Institute is a research organization and a training organization. We're really trying to focus on that. That's a lot. You're amazing. Well, the work no, that, please. Yeah, the work that you guys do, we're so thankful for it. And that's why I'm just also asked you to be on the show because I've gotten a lot of email and notes on Facebook and requests for help. Mm-hmm. And I always think about you and the work that every library does and just how we can help people. And not just like you said, it's, it's all about the librarians and the people that are doing Mm -hmm. this amazing work Mm -hmm. that I think is just so great about the work that you do. So just maybe to start for those listeners, maybe they're not quite in the know of everything that is happening right now across the United States. Like 
give us kind of a little recap of the last couple months, if you would. What the? Sure, sure. So we moved. Uh, it was very interesting. Early in COVID, uh, you know that that February, March, April period of 2020. Um, into May of 2020, we saw a lot, and this was before the CARES Act money came out. This was before the stabilization funds that came out with the um, elementary and secondary education funds through ARPA. Uh, you know, the things that, that made school districts a lot calmer. Uh, we saw a lot of administrators at that point back in, in the early part of the pandemic. Uh, the folks who've been trying to get rid of school librarians took a shot at the school librarians under the guise of saying, well, we've shut down the pandemic or we shut down because of the pandemic. Our school library is nothing but books. And then you folks really worked to prove them wrong. You know, the idea that if the physical collection was a little bit difficult to get to, great. Let's distribute it when we do, do free lunches. You know, the, 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 the physical collection isn't all that we have. Let's highlight and emphasize the digital interactions that we do as, as professional educators, but also uh, how do we give kids access to the e-libraries? Um, and there needed to be political activity in that mix at the same time. There were some administrators who were hell-bent on riffing that position. Um, they'd, they'd had it out for that school librarian for years um, or the concept of it. And we fought hard alongside a few folks um, and they stood up for themselves and it was good to be able to do that kind of work. But fundamentally, the stabilization that happened with the funding for school, uh, for, for education overall, I think has given us a little bit of breathing room with some of those administrators and some of those boards who are looking to cut corners, cut costs, balance the budget on the back of the school library. Mm. But what we've seen in the last couple of months, we've had kind of a quieter period in terms of advocacy for schools. I gotta be honest with you, things quieted down and then they started picking up again. Um, last September, October, and a lot of you have been in the trenches yourselves on this. Um, the, the, the distinguishing characteristics around um, the book banning and the book challenges that have been happening, they've always happened. And I, I have a lot of admiration for school librarians and public libraries when they're fighting these challenges that are un, unnecessary, unwarranted. But I have a lot more admiration for the integrity of school librarians and public librarians when they lean into the policy framework and essentially like rule of law, you know? The reason we've got policies in K-12 are to protect the kids, mm -hmm. protect the families. I mean, the policies that are in place for, for reading and books and school libraries are part of a whole cloth of policies that protect kids who are in moments of transition crisis, uh, families that might be at risk. I mean, individualized education plans for families are policy driven. And then those are hard challenges, don't get me wrong, we've seen a lot of them. And I'll, I wanna talk a little bit about where we're seeing them coming from in a lot of ways. But then there's these very politicized ones and the cadence of those, the frequency of those, the intensity of those, and the nature of the attacks becoming much more personal mm -hmm. on the school librarian, well, herself or himself. And um, the issues that are uh, not actually rooted in care for the kids, but seem to be a wedge issue, either about politics or an extension of some fight around, you know, masking or mitigations or some other issue around attacking populations through the books that their stories are being told in. So that situation, I mean, my heart goes out to anybody who's got a, a regular challenge happening these days, but to say that we've got regular challenges now, and then we got the super crazy ones. And I'm using those words on purpose. I mean, I run a political action committee for libraries. I look at the politics of these things and I'm worried about the vector of attack. 
Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing too, is when I get notes from people or I've recently been at two conferences, it is so it's, it's turned so personal Mm -hmm. and that's what hurts my heart is Mm -hmm. because these librarians, amazing librarians and people just individuals doing great things and then just being personally attacked. And that's, I think where you know, over the years, of course, we all have, just like you said, challenges on books and questions arise, but it's, it's really like went off of the book now on to the, to the actual people mm-hmm. who are in our library spaces. Yeah. The, how do I want to put this? So we're recording now in this, the February of, of uh, uh, 2022, the first uh, major state primaries in in 2022 are going to be in texas in about three or four or five weeks march primary is going to you know pick a a candidate for governor a candidate for you know the 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 house and the senate and the house there um we've seen it be introduced in a place like texas where the governor and and the fellow who's running for i don't remember what position it is the 850 book list Mm -hmm. you know what our friends who are doing the freedom campaign uh, are facing down there, in particular in Texas, that origin of that campaign of, of that of that series of book challenges is not from a parent who has a concern about what's what's in the book or a question, a legitimate question about whether or not the age is appropriate for a particular title, or even just a like a, a, a an awkwardly phrased like why are we doing this? You know, with uh, how does this fit in the standards and curriculum? It's coming from a politician. It's coming from a politician who wants to make uh, a name for himself with a, a particular kind of voter. And it's much easier for that politician to go after the books than it is to go after people of color, mm-hmm. people, uh, communities of color, go after, after the GLBTQ communities, mm-hmm. like, and then to go after education, the foundation of education. And I really look at it on the school side uh, there's a lot of folks, I mean, on this call or on this, listen to this webinar who might be in a, in a, a non-public school setting. That's cool. I get it. But I, if, if you have a politician who's coming after the structure of education, what do you have to do? You have to dismantle the teachers. You have to dismantle the authority of, and the responsibilities of the instructional support personnel, the school librarians included. And I see this as part of that whole cloth approach. It's really pernicious. Yeah, it's just shocking and sad. Mm-hmm. So when somebody, so what, what are they, what do we do? What do we do to help people? Like what is, I think just running through like the first steps of, of what we do, let's just start there so we can really help our listeners in what they can do if they're having trouble within their own district. And then maybe what all of us can do, you know, to help too. Sure. So uh, we've been partnering up with uh, Dr. Taslin Magnuson. Some of you have probably come across her massive, interesting, very comprehensive database of book bans and book challenges, the, the stories on social media, the news reports, and then you know, the results. Uh, uh, her stuff right now, we're, we're trying to help make it more discoverable by putting up on the everylibraryinstitute.org site so folks can find it um, and have an understanding of what the patterns are. The patterns are really important to take a look at because what she's identified very clearly is that there are two kinds of of attacks happening. 
let me rephrase. There are two kinds of, of challenges that are happening. One is an attack, and I'll, I'll come back to that number two. Number one is something that's driven by sincerely held belief, by legitimate questions, and is rooted in how do we use the school's policy framework in order to protect the rights of the challenger and the challenged, and to have a dialogue about what's the role of those titles uh, in education in our, in our school and our community. And that policy-driven framework, the support there uh, that folks need is from our peers. You know, intellectual freedom has got a really robust pedigree in libraries. Uh, your state associations, national organizations, is the policy framework proper? Uh, if it's not proper, that's something else to consider. But with working within a policy framework um, and to be deliberate about not just the title, but about the reasons that a school library is perhaps different than a classroom setting. Uh, those legitimate challenges, those, those deeply held belief challenges, those normal in quotes challenges are gonna be hot, but what we can do for each other is, is, is be able to distinguish those in a pattern sort of way, a data-driven sort of way from the ones that are gonna potentially make trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, it's very easy to identify a situation where the middle school principal comes into the, into the school library, takes all the books that she's uncomfortable with off the shelf, puts them in her, in, her, in her desk drawer and locks them up. That one is immediately risable, you know? It's easy enough to identify it when they, there were policies on the school district website, they remove them, and then they, they summarily, you know, kick the books out. It's the patterns, though, around is the... Um, challenge coming in from a parent, or is it coming in from someone who might not have a child uh, but calls themselves a taxpayer? Uh, is it coming in with support uh, from an outside organization that's louder than the person who's actually speaking as a parent? I mean, when every library comes in as, as a support organization, we don't set the agenda, we don't drive the messaging unless it's part of a coordinated campaign. And then when it's a part of a coordinated campaign, it's only when really like negotiations have broken down. Mm -hmm. or when something has to happen quickly. But if the first challenge is coming in from an outside organization or an outside actor, is it possible for it to be legitimate? I don't think so. So the patterns that have happened in other places are important for us to understand. Um, and is the challenge process being engaged or is it just a media opportunity and a social media event for those people who are challenging? And when, it's, when, when you are trying to legitimately respond to a challenge that is originating in a politicized, performative, or dare I say, illegitimate way, then the object of this is not to have a discussion about the curriculum or the role of school librarianship, or that any, it's them making hay on the backs of the library program. Mm -hmm. So what can we do together is tell the truth about what they are and stand together Yes, for policy. Yes, for best practices. Yes, for all those, you know, good statements that our associations are making, but also to come together when there is going to be something that's shaped like a problem and be willing to stand up for the, the, the where's our moral compass pointing as a profession, Shannon, you know, and if more of us stand together for, for the people who are under attack, I think we'd be better off. Definitely. We have a few Future Ready Librarian Summits coming up, and John's going to be part of our first one. And 
one of the things that we have been talking about a lot with our friends at Fallwood and Future Ready are just having a toolkit for librarians to be able to, you know, support them and know what to do. So I'm excited mm -hmm. about that work because you're a big part of it in the work that you do. And I think that it's just, we're just so grateful and thankful for the help because, you know, like I said, the emails and conversations and mm -hmm. it's, you know, in, in also where we are within a pandemic, just this mm -hmm. one more thing, you know, mm -hmm. of exhaustion and. Well, there's, it's, 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 it's a, like everybody's running on empty right now. It is. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we, we, we try and so one of the metaphors that we've been using for helping folks when they need to become accidental activists, you know, like this, you have to become an activist in the face of that kind of political pressure. Um, one of the metaphors we've been using is uh, the, the three dog one, you know, where we, we have three dogs in the fight. Um, not, there is um, the watchdog where, you know, if we're supposed to be following policy, are we following policy? You know, if we're supposed to be using the rule of law, principles of, of uh, standards, you know, uh, standards-based education, outcome-based, like we should be. So the watchdog group of the local activists who are, who are on the side of the library, the watchdog group says uh, to the board for that school or the administration, hey folks, this doesn't look like you're following policy. Policy looks like X, you're doing Y. Tell us, why are you doing Y? You know, like we expect our board to follow the law, to respect not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of what school librarians are supposed to be doing within the constitution, within state standards. Yeah. And why, so this watchdog group comes together to, to, to essentially call it for what it is. Then the guard dog, you know, we have two, three dogs, the guard dog. We need some people to guard dog the librarians. You know, when you, when you have a guard dog, you know, if you're inside the fence, you know, the guard dogs loves you. It slobbers all over you, you pet it, it's nice. Somebody jumps that fence coming into your space, the guard dog goes after them. And we need that. And I think we are that for each other as professionals, but also we have to be there for those kids whose stories are being silenced. And we have to be there in a certain respect to guard dog the First Amendment too. So how do you do that? Well, you know, you build up more, more dogs with you, more guard dogs with you. So the coalition that stands alongside and behind and supports the school library and the school librarian um, and represents authentically the kids and the families whose stories are being silenced, that guard dog role is really important. Then the third one is our, our bird dog. You know, folks are like, I don't know how many times I have heard the most heartbreaking thing in the world after a campaign is over. Somebody comes up to you and says, oh, Shannon, I would have helped if I had only known. Mm -hmm. You know, so communications, which is where we come in at every library, how do you communicate to the public? And then people are like, okay, Shannon, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Just tell me what to do. And the bird dog says, go that direction with this message. It's legitimate because it's based in what the principles of school librarianship is, the ideals of the First Amendment integrity of working for those kids based on standards but the bird dogs like go that direction and let's make a trouble happen good kind of trouble happen for that school board for that administration um so those three kinds of dogs are i mean i'm not even a dog person myself it just kind of makes sense to me like this but 
And then what, what Future Ready does and what every library does and a few other groups too, it might be a fourth dog. It might be kind of the guide dog. Cause like, if you've never been through it before and we have, it's worth, that, that's why this toolkit thing is going to be so powerful, I think. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I, I think it will be too. And it's just, it's just really nice to also like hear your perspective and know that together, I think that out of all other like educators and people within schools, like the school librarians, you know, we touch the lives of everyone within our school, our kids mm-hmm. and our teachers, administrators and our families. And we are the heart of the school. And so mm-hmm. it's one thing that we can make a huge difference. And I really respect that work that we're all doing. And just that you look at the librarians on the future ready librarian page, or you see them at a conference or you hear them on a podcast or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we just got to stick together and, and mm-hmm. keep going. Well, I, I think that there's a lot to be, to be learned um, when it comes to articulating mm-hmm. the, the value system that we have to other people than other librarians. No offense. I mean, like you, you, this is, you, you excel at this. Other folks in the future ready community certainly do, but um, there's enough schools where I hear that the, the school librarian feels alone and you ask her or him, who are your allies? And they're very alone, even within their school. You know, sometimes it's the culture of that school. You know, you have situations where you're not allowed to walk down that hall because the principal doesn't want to hear from anybody. You know, that's crazy. And that's also your work life. I'm sorry, you know. But if people don't know the work that you're doing when it comes time to defend the First Amendment, sure, they've heard of that. And maybe they have, you know, like a a family member or they they themselves are, are members of a community that's affected. But if the school librarian is like the missing link in this, in this whole chain, we've got to start working on that at scale, you know, and appropriately. And, and the, I gotta be honest with you too here, the majority of you folks in this future ready framework are part of a union. Mm-hmm. And there's some unions, some state organizations and some locals that are fantastic. You know, I look at our friends in New Jersey, New Jersey education agency is great, you know, as a, as a union. I look at our friends at, in Washington, DC, where, the AFT local WTU six showed up, and now there's a, there's funding for a school librarian in every school in Washington D.C. And I also know that there's some times where the, the school librarians are under personal attack, and the union should be the ones defending them from that attack because it's bullying behavior, it's dignity of work. I'd like to be able to to, to suggest to us that 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 part of it's our job doing marketing, but part of it's our job also to hold our contract partners accountable for the dignity of our workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always share with people to make sure that you get that seat at the table and tell your story because sure. we're the ones that want to be telling our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the idea that somebody else is going to advocate for you. That I don't know who got that idea started in libraries. I mean, this idea that like somebody else should be advocating for the librarian. Yeah. It, it just, I don't understand it. It's like, it's like that we, you've been taught, I'm not a librarian, you know this already, Shannon, but for the rest of the folks, I'm not a librarian, I'm not qualified to be a librarian, I don't pretend to be a librarian, I don't really like children, thank you very much for what you're doing. No, I don't, I mean, really, I, I'm awkward with them, you know, like you're doing something I can't do, that's why I like you, you know, and something that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. That said, the, um, the idea that uh, I have the ability to speak for you when you're the expert in school librarianship. No, you tell me and I'll go do it. 
That's why we're so lucky to have you. And I'm so grateful that you were on our podcast today too. It's fun. I know. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with as we wrap up our conversation today? Well, Shannon, I, I, I got to tell you, I was looking around for my Zoom link today to get, in, to get on this with you. And I found out that two years ago to the day, you and I had another meeting about supporting the Future Ready community. So I just want to congratulate both of us for showing up, you know, for these folks and also congratulate them. Like I said before, there's been some good successes. This is not, this is not a, a casual time of challenge, though. You know, as budgets are calm and this whole political thing is kind of crazy, you and I both know, because that, that thing we did two years ago that was in my calendar, you know, was about how do you future-proof yourself against budget challenges? When times get tough again, folks, we, we, we got to take the learnings here about political organizing, political action, and alliance building, and prep for what's going to come. I mean, we all know it's cyclical. You know, you got good years and you got bad years for budget. And I'd really like to get, get past that cycle of them trying to balance the budget on the backs of the school libraries. Yeah, we'll definitely have more conversations in the future, right? Always, always something. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's fun to be with you. Oh, it was great. We appreciate just everything that you shared and everything that John shared and anything that we have, we'll make sure that we attach it to the podcast along with resources and a certificate of professional development that you can download and fill out to use. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. And a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. You make a difference in our library, schools, and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything that you do. Please send your Future Ready Librarian shout outs and shares to me at shannonmcclintockmiller at gmail.com or tag me at Shannon M. Miller. I can't wait to share things with all of our listeners that you have to share with me. I hope you can take what you learned today in today's podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library. Thank you for joining us for the future ready librarian podcast leading from the library. I would like to also thank our sponsor, Follett Learning, for their amazing continued support.